Good evening, Sojourners, and here we are sitting by the fireside, uh, the cast members of Season 2 of the Gothic Podcast, The Horror of Elk Island. We have uh, tonight myself, I am Patrick, I am your esteemed host and GM, and we have Sharon. I made a gesture with my arms. Who played Gigi on Elk Island and Dr. Grace in the Contemporary Now. And we have Jesse. Jesse. What's up, y'all? <laughs> Jesse played Jason. Jason Lawrence. Jason Lawrence in season two and in the Contemporary Now plays LJ. Uh, yeah, man, and let me tell you, season two, whoa. (laughs) And our newest, almost practically abducted (laughs) cast member, (laughs) Richard. (laughs) Like a fairy changeling having been whisked away. Yeah. (laughs) And somehow managed to be playing fan favorite Nathan. (laughs) In the contemporary now. For for one brief episode. Yeah. (laughs) So far, for one brief episode. That was a, I don't know, Richard, did I tell you I was listening to that episode when I was driving? And it was one of those times where I was like, am I going to have to like pull over somewhere and listen to this episode not driving? Because I felt like I was laughing hard enough that I was going to be a danger to others and myself. The episode where he he plays Nathan for the first time. It was so funny. And I think I have said uh, to all of us um, outside of the podcast, but I don't know that I've mentioned it on air, that, uh, man, I really, really should have cast Richard as uh, Sloshy, the doppelganger, given that that accent. (laughs) Oh, my God, that would have been great. Okay, everybody. So season two is in the bag. We've got this retrospective and a couple of specials coming up, but Elk Island is done. So, Sojourners, um, a bit of a warning here. If you have not listened to uh, Season 2 yet, if you don't know the secrets of Elk Island already, oh, yeah. do not listen to this retrospective. <laughs> it's going to be 100% spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. spoilers only. Oops, all Absolutely, spoilers. Absolutely, because we have been dying to talk about this stuff for a while. <laughs> and I, I think it's like one of those things where like you uh like in Kill Bill where you hear the and you see her eyes in the in the in the glimmer of the blade as she's looking around at everything <laughs> and it's like spoiler warning <laughs> spoiler warning spoilers. spoilers spoilers cast i don't know if you have any drinks with you but i am celebrating this with a bit of 10 year old ardberg scotch so cheers everybody oh, nice Man, good work. I need to come over to your place. I have a most exalted uh, Deschutes limited release Twilight Ale that I bought this afternoon in my grocery shopping. So there. Nice. I've got a nice 2016 Cabernet from Napa Valley. Hey, how many other kinds of alcohol can we have? (laughs) I'm sticking with caffeine, but... Nice. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Sharon would normally be drinking. No, listen. I I don't do that after 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 dinner. It's still going on eleven thirty here. Oh my god! No, I would die if I drank caffeine after <laughs> after dinner. All right, gang. Wow. Okay. Where do we even start? Uh, at the beginning. Uh, I, okay. Very good yeah. Let's start at the start. beginning. Let's uh, let's go all the way back. And we started. I had you guys uh, re you know come up with uh, these these little. What, the recordings that you all did, journal entries that each character was doing? Yeah. How did that go on your end, since you didn't really know what was going on? Well, um, one of the things that I quickly ran into was I had pictured this as being Gigi literally going home and writing in her, uh, um, she does uh, bullet journaling at the end of the day. And the the issue that I was having was that so many of our episodes took place during the same day. It became kind of weird to like follow that up with like, oh, at the end of the day, I'm recapping the stuff that's happened. But then like, it's at the same day. Do you know what I mean? And so like, that's kind of what, that's kind of what inspired me on that one episode to pretend I was like drunkenly telling it to somebody else was like, 
I, I can't keep doing the. I think I only actually did one journal entry like that. I started writing a second one, mm-hmm. and it just didn't uh, ever get aired. And I think that uh, that was probably the one that actually inspired me to decide that what was actually happening there were these were statements being given yeah. to Officer Fresk <laughs> yeah. after the events of the cabin. Yeah, and especially because in that case, like we were out that old of old Officer Fresk. <laughs> We were, oh, yes. we, <laughs> we decided we were, uh, like we were out of like away from our stuff and the places where we were staying for so many days, there was no way I would have been able to get home and like write a proper journal, you know? So, so, uh, I don't know. Uh, I think it was something that I maybe should have gone into with a little more flexibility. Uh, did, did, uh, the others of you feel that it helped you connect with the characters better or was it? You know, I, when I, cause I, I kind of had a weird journey there. And Patrick said, hey, make somebody that they're going to like. I'm going to kill you off very soon. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that totally happened. Yep. So, you know, when well, I did that, that first little intro, I, it wasn't so much that I was trying to, uh, you know, create the character or even get into the minds of the character. as I, I was trying to, you know, make a, a something sympathetic so that the rest of the cast members would you know uh think that this is this is a good guy this is a, a you know somebody that they're gonna like um and we did yeah so that way when he died they were all going to be very sad right um, and then i i kind of later had to realize oh um yeah so i made a character um and now i have to run with that so <laughs> <laughs> there was a point um I, and i believe it was after carl well became young carl which i suppose we ought to talk about a bit too but <laughs> right. uh but uh, after, it was right about that point, which I think was about maybe halfway through the season, where I realized that this story wasn't about any of you, the rest of you. It wasn't about Jason. It wasn't about Gigi. The story was about Carl. Mm-hmm. And that was how I kind of went with it uh, for the next third of the, of the story. And then the last third, I realized it wasn't about Carl either. It's about Allison. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, um, that actually was one of the kind of uh, what if questions that I had kind of for Patrick, but kind of for everybody, I guess, was like, how freaking different would this entire season um, have been if all of us just stood around and didn't do anything to help Allison when she initially fell off ferry in the very first uh, episode? Yeah, there well, was... I was watching from somewhere on the island. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have sprinted down the mountain and let cannon. I wasn't even on the ferry at that point. <laughs> yeah, because Jesse hadn't been able to join oh, us yet true. for recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, in fact, I think it was like almost three episodes in. It was. It was. I'd have to go back and look. It, I think it was uh, the third episode that. Uh, it was the first two. It was just. Yeah. I, I think it was just Carl and and Gigi. Mm-hmm. You know, Sharon and Richard. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, uh, you know. Not as Gigi, but as myself, was side-eyeing Skeen for a long time, thinking that Jesse was going to be Skeen. You know, that'd be a good question for Patrick. Interesting. Um, because, you know, it's a different kind of writing. Anytime that you're normally writing a story, mm-hmm. all of your characters are available. But when we're doing, uh, you know, this format, that's not the case. You know, yeah. because scheduling happens, life happens. So I, I, I feel confident saying that there were times that you altered the story a little bit Based on who was available. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, (laughs) a huge deal was life happened to one of our primary cast members. We love you, Nathan. Oh, yeah. Um, Yes. And we miss you, Nathan. (laughs) Nathan! Our silent fifth member here. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that changed so much of what was going to happen. I mean, yeah, Carl was supposed to be an early death. Uh, This was uh, the early part of this stuff was supposed to be very you know, Knives Out-ish. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, what I told you all when we started. It was Think Knives Out meets... Uh, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, so one, th- one question that I had for Richard was, like, uh, how kind of, like, did, did Patrick, like, communicate with you about the role that Carl was going to, not as a character, like, in the story, but as, like, his connections to the family and stuff like that like did you know anything about that or did he just say make a character who's connected to this family right was that your choice no he he, he kind of gave me some direction there 
you know, I, so I went with the old man because I wanted something sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I wanted something that was going to be kind of endearing. That's why I went for that old. You know, he's an old veteran. He's wise. I'm very old. Yes. <laughs> very um, old. So old. Um, you know, so he kind of, you know, he, he wanted me to be connected to the family, uh, most certainly. And that's where he came out. I, I can't remember if he said uh, who originally came with the idea that was going to be the brother. Mm-hmm. I yeah, my idea I'd have to look idea. back at some of our correspondence, because I think we talked about that uh, in texting. Yeah. But I... I want to say that you kind of came up with the general character, and I said, "Okay, I'm gonna, I, you're gonna be the brother of of Lazarus Kane of Lazaro Kane." Yeah, because in typical I, fashion, I could be completely misremembering that, and you might have said, "I want to be the brother," and I might have been like, "Oh crap, that's gonna mess things up. How am I gonna work with this?" <laughs> and, and so, well, and the- to go with your other question, I mean, your other question again, it's just like, yeah, I mean, all the all the decisions that that I made. Many of them early on, for sure, had to change because of the cast and, and yeah. what was happening with cast and who was available there early on. Um, I mean, we had to start recording. We had to get out those first episodes yeah. in January or miss our self-imposed deadlines. Yeah. <laughs> and Jesse wasn't available. So, you know, we just had to go with it. Just had to do it. Right. One of my one of my favorite things. uh Still will be that first scene with Carl where he steps out to the railing of the ferry and is just letting the the cold wind hit his face. And he's just got this whole attitude of like, well, here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was great. (laughs) Why am I back? I don't know. I'm very old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Carl was always Eeyore in my mind. Yeah, like a little bit. That that whole first episode like set the tone, I think, so well for this whole season and kind oh, of like it was beautiful. all of the expectations that I formed about season two and where I wanted the story to go and for Gigi to go, I think were set by that episode and the tone that we set there. So that was a that was a real gem of an episode. Yeah, <laughs> and I thank you guys so much because it was everything I could have hoped for. I mean the the tone you uh, uh, that Gigi and Carl set on the. Uh, fairy matched up so nicely with the descriptions of Spirit Bay, uh, mm-hmm. the descriptions of the island that I I got into more detail there, and uh, the t- and the tone that you know I had in the back of my mind for the season, which was a little darker, definitely than the contemporary now stuff, right? But maybe even yeah. a little darker than the. Um, Castle Kane stuff from season one. Definitely. Cause a little the, bit, the, yeah. The season one Castle Kane stuff I felt like was very, you know, because a lot of gothic genre like literature and stuff is about archetypes. And I felt like that was very archetypal, but like modern storytelling is much more interested in the complexity of characters. And so I think we did a great job of like setting the mood. And all of you in season one were essentially superheroes. <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> Razor in, whip. Uh, yeah, with oh, I know. razor whip. Oh, I miss that razor whip so bad. <laughs> Boy, if Jason had had that razor whip on top of the lighthouse, things would have been different. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, actually, uh, I just realized it today, but I'm going to kind of, I mean, that was it for Dead of Night. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to kind of miss the rule system, even though I screwed it up everywhere along the way. We should use and it for one shots, well. though. Yeah, we should use it for one shots, though, because it's really fun. And now that oh, yeah. we've played in it for a while and basically know the rules by heart, uh, <laughs> you know. Oh, I just read some new ones today that uh, oh. <laughs> I realized that, that for using um, the monster's specializations, I'm supposed to be spending tension points on those to use them. <laughs> really? Oh. <laughs> I know. You read the rules. What do you, no what do you find out? <laughs> well, once I realized that... Uh, when we were in such dire straits for survival points so many times, I was like, I went back to my cheat sheet, opened it up just at the beginning of some recording, and I was like, wait a minute, we can get survival points by doing a cliche? Like, <laughs> what have I been doing this whole time? <laughs> well, and, and, you know, what do we all think about the Dead of Night um, uh, play style? Um, as well as, you know, what do our listeners, our patrons what do they think of yeah. the new playstyle? Oh, yeah. So, you know, Soderner's... Going uh, from... Please going do. From, uh, yeah. And and please, uh, reach out. Uh, wonderful, wonderful set of rules. Yeah. Um, 
Dead of Night. I uh, that was uh it was it was it was a lot of fun to play. It was a lot of fun. I it liked was Dead of Night. Easy. I really liked Dead of Night for the the one shots. I really enjoyed the cabin in the woods thing that we did yeah. for our session zero. Yeah, it's really it's, designed for that. It's not designed for a campaign. <laughs> it's designed as, for maybe as, having a sequel. As stated um, by the, uh, the, the uh, aforementioned the reason, lack of survival points. <laughs> the reason I thought it would work is because, you know, Castle Kane, the entirety of season one was over the course of like two days. One day. <laughs> Well, I One guess day. we probably One full twenty-four hour period. Yeah. <laughs> we, probably, oh, yeah, yeah. we probably went the full twenty-four hours. One thing that's interesting that was interesting about the Dead of Night was how there was no like mechanism in place for like leveling up or modifying your stats. You could spend a couple of survival points to take on a specialization, but you didn't. Uh, it was a very like you know kind of like this is what you are and this is what you have. You know, and uh, and you can take specializations, but that also modifies your regular stats. Because um, you have to, you know, spend a couple of those also. So it was uh, at some point I remember looking at my stats and being like, "How come the monsters are doing so much more ha- harm to us, and we are n- like unable to to do anything about it?" And uh, it's like, "Oh, because we we can't, you know, you know." And there's there's stuff like if you if you survive a scenario or sleep the night, you get more survival points back. But um, I really was, uh, uh, so technically, it's if you make it to the sequel, you get. You get two survival points. Oh, gotcha. That's what it is. <laughs> but at, at a certain point, I was like, you guys are going to like die before the story right. ever begins to end. And so, um, I, but I think you only got to sleep like twice during the entire thing anyway. We did have three days in jail. I think that was the longest yeah, period. Yeah, that was the longest yeah. period of rest that you had for the whole thing. That and uh, the long, that was the longest period of rest we had post like, so after the reading of the will, we had a few days where we got to like, bond with each other mm-hmm. oh uh, yeah yeah that's right and that was longer but uh um yeah spending <laughs> spending three days in prison uh really uh, <laughs> it was the it most wasn't prison it was a jail <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and then once that happened it was like thing after thing after thing it was like the weather station and underneath the mountain yeah. and then back over into uh the manor and then right and then we're on the dock sleeping in a tugboat and then mm-hmm. we're being attacked we're running by leeches again, back, jason's back dead on the, the floor yeah exactly right? it was so, Richard, uh, I mean, you're coming out of a more crunchy uh, rules engine base, Pathfinder 2, oh, even geez. The Expanse. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what, what, is, what are your views on Dead of Night, Dead of Night. such as it was? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I really did enjoy it. I, I, you know, I've played a lot of systems over the years, and uh, as much as I am a big fan of Pathfinder 2nd Edition overall, uh, you know, there's a lot of times I do hearken back to the the good old days, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I'm of a certain age where I was around for the, the Renaissance in the early 90s where they had a lot of rules-light systems. You know, the old world of darkness was one of my personal favorites back in the day. Um, so, you know, this is kind of a similar feel where there's that, uh, uh, that cinematic, not necessarily a gothic horror like that, but, you are you know, you're looking at... Uh, totally you know, gothic horror. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> you know, I, well, I guess there is some difference. There, no vampires in this particular one, um, <laughs> but you know that it has that that darkness to it. Uh, you know, where everything is is going to have a. You know, if this were a movie, it's going to be shot in uh, you know a lot of a lot of darkness, a lot of candles, a lot, a lot of, of uh, blue filter. Know, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, so it's kind of nice to be able to go go back and play those rules light systems where you're not so much worried about, okay, what dice do I roll or what cool ability do I have? Uh, and, you know, I even did that a little with, with Carl. Originally, I kept him fairly generic just because, well, I thought he was going to die quickly. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, I, who knew? Yeah, and, and then I kept <laughs> it that way uh, also because, uh, you know, it's like I want to focus more on the, the narrative as opposed to worrying about, oh, do I go ahead and pick up a specialization uh, you know what? I, I the, here's what I have. I'm going to roll the dice and uh, just just work with what's there. So it was kind of nice. So it really was. It was refreshing. What Richard didn't know was anything about younger Carl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't that know was... that that was going to happen. Didn't know what was going on there. <laughs> yeah, that was actually uh, part two of my my you know long ago now question. Like, how much did you know going in? Did Patrick then give you like a revamped set of like, all right, here's what's going to happen now, 
kind of expectations? Um, not really. Uh, he kind of <laughs> threw that at me uh, to the point where, like, in that episode on the other monitor here, I'm googling um, a few dates and stuff so I can try to throw <laughs> some stuff out and, and not be totally historically full of crap. Um, Sojourners, I work with the best cast in the world. They are able to take the wild curveballs that I throw them and do this with it. <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, I was actually, before you said that, uh, Patrick, so not to undermine your statement or anything, but I realized when I was listening back to Gigi complaining about being from the Bay Area and Verbo's moving in, I said something like, uh, everything for rent is $2,000 a month. I'm pretty sure that's very low for the Bay Area, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you're talking about, you know, uh, a place on a park bench is 2000 Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's billed as a single room studio, but it's actually somebody's cupboard under the stairs. No, but no, yeah. I, I, I think that listening to this, uh, some, you know, I mean, some listeners might think that we you know, script some of this out. And and there's some of my exposition and of course I script out the stuff that isn't doesn't involve any feedback from the um from the players and that I hope they will come to at a point where I can actually, you know, do that without it going bad in some way. But um, what are you saying about us? No, what I'm saying is I don't tell you what's going to be happening. Oh, I mean, we yeah. don't talk about it. We don't talk yeah. about the direction of the story or anything. Oh, no way. No, yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing that happened to me this season, and I don't know if you guys had this happen as well, but was um, times when I realized my character wanted to do something, and I was like going into an episode wanting to do that thing and like be the star of the show because that's what Gigi would have wanted. But like, there were times when I was like, you know, this is uh, like when uh, Jason was confronting uh, the ghost of Lazaro in his library. I was like, as a player, I realized this, you know, I, I went in fully thinking that I was going to challenge him and, uh, and get into a fight with him. But as soon as it started actually happening, I realized like, this is Jason's time and this is much more important for Jason. So I was wondering, <laughs> I was kind of like this, like, you know, when you're role playing, it's all about you, right? You know, so it was it was really interesting to have to have that kind of happen, where it was like I'm intentionally going to sit back and and make sure uh, somebody else gets their gets their moment. Oh, I love that part though, watching you guys go through your own separate like emotions yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, that was definitely like uh, I don't know, like a zenith kind of point of Jason's uh, character yeah. growth. Um, that was like really intense for him. So, yeah. Uh, uh, on that oh, same man, kind of Jason note, I mean, had so many intense things happen. Yeah, um, so many. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. We gotta talk. We gotta. We gotta talk about the head in the room. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. uh well, my, and we all go silent. We all go silent. <laughs> yeah. My my question oh, for Jesse skeen. was only marginally related to that but it was like how like when did you decide that jason was going to have this uh um anger uh habit it actually was something that was part of the initial thought as i went into this character Mm. uh because i mean it was like this whole character progression for jason where jason was this um adopted out rejected child but grew up with this life living around circus folk and 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 living the carny life and just finding a connection through these other people and really just kind of forgetting about the horrible past and just embracing this life that he was introduced to that he really enjoys um but to have that come back around in this letter that was given to him yeah. uh and who mm-hmm. knows how it reached his hands about the reading of the will and that was like that was like a spark of anger for being rejected early in his life. Like something that was like the tiniest spark that started this whole chain of events yeah. that led to him just growing. And I used, I used the, um, what is it called? The, uh, bad, bad um, habit. Yeah. The bad habits Yeah, is just using that from the dead of night. Hashtag dead of night. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> using the, the, the bad habits from the playbook and like trying to play off of it. And I, I yeah. worked on that and it slowly built until he just built up this just in 
intense ingratiating like blind rage right well because one of the things that was interesting to me watching you play him was like you didn't start off having that as a bad habit that was something that you like introduced later in the story and then by the end jason's like raging out all the time and it was just like this increasing thing that happened so it was uh, embrace the rage embrace the rage (laughs) (laughs) uh richard actually did uh carl Older or younger, I don't remember. Did either one of them have bad habits? No, actually, like I said, I just did straight, uh, straight stats. He didn't have any specializations or any bad habits or anything. Um, like I said, initially because I, you know, I, I didn't <laughs> want to craft a, too much of a character. I was trying to, uh, uh, you know, do something very simple. And then eventually, I said, "Well, now that's just Carl. Carl yeah. is <laughs> the um, he's the everyman. He doesn't have any." <laughs> You know, he doesn't have any extras, but he doesn't have any 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 bad Sloss. things either. Carl of all trades. That's, that's a t-shirt idea for you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's just Carl. That's just Carl. Just as Carl. <laughs> On the back it says, I'm very old. Um, <laughs> very old. <laughs> what did I just I, think I of? actually had to start cutting out times where... Um, <laughs> Uh, where Carl says, uh, I'm, you know, I'm so old. <laughs> and there's still so much of it in the podcast. <laughs> um, Patrick, what did you expect Nathan's character? Like, what role did you expect him to play? Um, you mean... Because he was, he was going to be mean, the sheriff, but like... It was interesting because I didn't initially see all of you, all of the um, protagonists, players as being family members necessarily Mm. now had he been going to be available earlier in the season then maybe but since he was going to already be there he wouldn't going to have been in on the uh, reading of the will or anything um and because it echoes it echoes jacob uh who was a cop in texas and so i figured okay well here's somebody who would get involved with these other characters who would be who would have a reason for being involved in the story. And uh, I also had information that he would be able to give you about uh, Lazaro Kane, about the oh. Kane family on the island after Carl left, you know, that nobody else could really give you. And instead we got this guy. Instead, you get Officer Frask, <laughs> Deputy Frask, <laughs> who doesn't know anything. <laughs> And then when Nathan, I, I mean, we thought Nathan was going to be able to come back. Yeah. And so we have his voice <laughs> for right. one brief shining moment. What and the then hell is going on the right next here? episode, I kill him off. Yeah. <laughs> right. That, do, <laughs> damn it, William. I remember looking at uh, Jesse's face at the moment and we were both like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was oh, like, when he appeared. Yeah, when it's like, oh, the torso of the sheriff lands on your car, and we're like, what do you mean the torso of the sheriff? <laughs> that, that was very much the opposite of, like, uh, you know, I felt with Carl, like, uh, I was the the uh, person that came in and did, like, a cameo appearance or one episode, uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, they bring him back and end up making them a regular cast member. Yeah. With that, that trope <laughs> of the TV show. Yeah. But then, you, then we have this other character that is, like, the older brother... Um, from Happy Days. You know, he's just there one episode, and then you never hear from him again. Um. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, uh, getting those guys to come in from uh, Strangers in the Pines. Oh, yeah. Those guys to Who, play William and That was and a Kit. lot of fun, yeah. Great. Thank you so much. That was And I amazing. did not expect William to try to... I mean, that was so out of nowhere, where William takes the opportunity to just try to slaughter Carl. Oh, that in was the so good. The car. Like every decision he made was so right. Like <laughs> you know. I mean it was wrong. Well no, <laughs> yeah, no it was, was storytelling right in a narrative storytelling <laughs> so right, sense. It yeah. was not wrong. morally yeah, correct. So wrong, it was right. Do not yeah. follow the example of William Kittery. Please, children, <laughs> do not stab shards of glass into your uncle. Stay in school and don't stab your uncle. That is not even how I thought Carl was going to go out. I'm like, oh, here's going to be a thing. And I'm like, oh, right. so this, this is how it happens. Okay. Right? I um, was like, oh, this is brutal. Like, we're going to have so many emotions about Carl well, after the, you know. And, and that moment actually was one of those things where I think I asked Richard, do you want to stay on the show? Yeah. 
Yeah, he's like, you know, if you if you if you got to get out, and I'm like, I mean, I, I can I can do some more if you're if you're you know you need somebody. Yeah, that and... literally was how that went. Was I said this can be it? I mean, we can let this happen. Yeah. Or and then and Richard was like, yeah, I could play some longer. I could play for a while more if you want. <laughs> I could play for a while more. <laughs> like, okay, now I got to adjust again. All right. <laughs> that I th- I think that I think it worked out though for because uh, because uh, Carl was supposed to be a sympathetic older man. And um, I didn't know if Gigi was entirely sold on, like, liking him until he ha- spent that time in a coma, you know. Uh, so, ended up working out. Yeah, it's a great alibi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't kill those people up at the top of the, <laughs> the mountain. <laughs> Gigi. Yes. Um, how about your character progression? I mean, did you come in as, like, this strong character already, or? Um. Yeah, I... I mean, you came in using your boxing to punch out windows and everything. Um, the concept I wanted to go with was kind of like um, someone who thought of themselves as an outsider. I was thinking about... Um, I had seen a... An outsider to the family? Yeah, exactly. I had seen a, um, a post circulating on Tumblr, which I'd seen a, a while back, but it, it resurfaced on my uh, dashboard on Tumblr about, uh, I want to see more Byronic uh, female characters. In, in stuff. And um, I had had, you know, some similar thoughts uh, earlier and was thinking about, you know, um, a female character who was like this self-possessed, sarcastic, you know, we were also thinking about lives, uh, um, knives out and stuff like that. And I was like, how fun would it be to be the, uh, the uh, Chris Evans um, character who just is snarky and sarcastic and says things that hurt people just because he enjoys, you know, riling them up. And um, so that was kind of my whole uh, concept going in. And then the other thing that I thought would be interesting was uh, um, Gigi, uh, her mother had kind of uh, left Elk Island. I came up with this whole backstory where her mother wanted to get off the island and didn't want to talk about it. And uh, she spent some summers there in her early childhood and stuff like that, but like had developed this very sardonic attitude as like a response to feeling uh, like an outsider. And um but she had been working, uh, she's a very proud character also, and she had been working retail to try and make ends meet. And it wasn't working. She was losing money. And her kind of responding to this uh, will reading was like the last gamble. Like, what if it's me that gets some money or gets a place to live? Either way, I'm going to be out of my uh, apartment and out of my life that I'm not thrilled with. And so this was kind of her like last bid for you know, having the kind of, like, very romanticized uh, life that she pictured for herself. So okay. That, that was a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a lot of thoughts about did you feel there was? Did you feel there was a change in that attitude? Oh, 100%. Uh, the moment I realized that it was Allison in the, in the car, I, I became, like, uh, that scene from Brooklyn Nine-Nine where she's like, if anything happens to this puppy, I will kill everyone in this room and then myself. <laughs> um, yeah, you told okay. me that off uh, screen a couple of times, too. It's That's like how you I became f- very protective of Allison. Yeah, I was Aww. like, if Allison had not been there, I think Gigi would not have been as much of a sympathetic person. Yeah, well, uh, I, I started all of that section with talking about skiing. But oh, I think yeah. a lot of that came across <sighs> in the... I mean, I think a lot of it came across in the uh, podcasting itself, but how I don't think um, our listeners may may quite get how, because of comments and things made afterwards, how traumatized Jesse was <laughs> by this. <laughs> Man, I love skiing. <laughs> I I wanted to be skiing. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, and that's a question for Patrick, because so... Had you planned on that, or did you yeah, kind of substitute Yeah, how early did you know you were going to do that? I know, uh, what the hell, Patrick? Especially <laughs> tell, yeah, tell Patrick. Carl he needs to wait, come up with a lovable man. character. I'm yeah. just telling a story here. You took two best cousins. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. you got to tell Richard he's got to come up with this lovable character, and then you plop yeah. Skeen in his lap, which is, like, totally lovable. And oh, my so God. Fun and, or, and... or did you just do, like, a George R.R. R. Martin and realize that as soon as we all start to like a character, that's the one you got to kill? Once oh, they yeah, tell you, you yeah. their backstory, it's all over. <laughs> next season, right. next season, guys, Game of Thrones. Let's do it. High <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> um, so, you know, there weren't a lot of decisions like that that I made particularly early. Uh, I used kind of the Monster of the Week philosophy where everyone has a target on their heads. Mm. And particularly 
characters that you like, not you guys as the players, but that I like as the GM, those ones have to have a target on their head because when or if and when they are hurt or die, then it's, I mean, that's affecting everyone, including me, the, the, the game master, and that's going to come across in the story. It's going to make it more potent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I got to tell you, even right up until the end, Allison didn't necessarily have that. She kind of floated along for a while. There was a choice to be made there at the end. Oh. And you didn't know it, but I mean, Allison was a Schrodinger's cat right up until that very, right. uh, your very last decisions. If any of you had chosen to leave the island, to try to leave the island, then Allison wouldn't have made it. Oh, hmm. we had to have the one survivor. Because you can only have the one survivor yeah. in, a, in a story like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But because you didn't, I mean, more than one of you actually could have chosen. You, you can have more than one. But because of the be way honest. that that went, because she wasn't with you anymore, it couldn't have been separate survivals. You know, it would have had to have been done together. And mm -hmm. she wasn't with you anymore. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. I gotta she was, be honest. It was either her or Owl that was going to end up in that situation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and at that moment on the bridge, I was just like, well, Owl's already up here. And we got to keep Carl around. <laughs> That's that was so the question was like, I was going to ask. Right. <laughs> it would have been really oh, awkward okay. if I, I can Carl understand the meta. The <laughs> I can understand the meta logic that went into keeping like saving Carl rather than Allison. What was Jason's logic? What was Jason thinking? Why did why did he choose Carl? A, a lot of it had to do with he saw in Carl what he wanted out of a parent figure. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Because I gotta say that that choice was shocking to me. I yeah. thought you I really thought that you would let Carl go. Trusting, I, you know, trusting me to either have already talked with Richard about, you know, hey, you don't you can just take off the next few weeks or <laughs> um or me to deal with it as the GM. Yeah, but and it was a huge surprise to me that you chose um, chose to bring Carl up rather than Allison. A lot of that had to do with the fact that it was because of the book. I let that darkness in, mm -hmm. and so it wanted to protect the the thing I admired a little bit more, mm -hmm. which was that father figure that I kind of found in Carl instead of the connection that I had with my cousin. Nice. As Jason, not yep, me, right. Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got so many cousins. I don't. I could lose half of them. No, I'm kidding. I love all my cousins. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, and Sharon was kind of mad. Well, not kind of. Sharon was mad at me after that episode. Oh, <laughs> for a while. Yeah, I was mad for having to make the choice. I really just was about to just let myself go instead. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I made was... you make some really hard choices. Right. Yeah, there was a lot of hard choices in that episode. But um, you were Lazaro Kane's son, so yeah. no. that was a hard place to be in the first place. Um, were there any big emotional moments for Carl slash Richard? That's a, I mean, that's a tough one. Uh, you know, the thing that probably got me the most was the, the skiing thing, you know, because Carl would have been there. But I, I think that's the, the moment for, for Richard, at least, that uh, was kind of like, oh, hey, wait a minute. And, uh, you know, I kind of had to, to process that a little bit. Because I was trying really hard to make Carl unfappable. So, oh, yeah. you know, it, you know, it, it kind of leaned into it. That was the big one. But honestly, the and other again, one was at the bridge. I didn't expect it either. I was ready to make the sacrifice play there. And then when, uh, when Jesse was like, nah, I'm pulling you up. It's like, oh, uh, well, shoot. I was all ready <laughs> to die. <laughs> uh, skiing again, uh, you know, target on head. <laughs> but not guaranteed. Literally. That was the night of the 13th. Oh, yeah. it was. That was that was the 13th episode. That was the 13th the episode. episode. It was episode 13. <laughs> yeah, it was episode 13. It was the night you all rolled 13s. Constantly. Like everybody rolled 13s, I think. And then um, Richard rolled 13s like twice yeah. or some mm -hmm. such thing. 
And (laughs) it was just, there's no way that all that can go by. You know, someone has to die and that someone has to be somebody that everybody you know, loves. And and you guys also, like, I love that you find yourself outside the mountain, you realize Skeen's not with you, and there's blood on your hands, and you're like, hey, let's do that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, uh, well, because we didn't know. No, it's true. At that true. point, yeah, it was like a complete what, time war. What had happened, but uh, it was very funny to me. I mean, me. I knew what happened, but at the same time, Jason didn't know what happened. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was very funny to me to... Uh, because um, I think at that point I was somewhere else, but uh, to kind of watch you guys doing this, like, let's go down there and open the door another time. <laughs> and again, you know, every time you guys made a decision like that, there was the chance you would make the other one, you know, where <laughs> right. you don't go back into the uh, the building. I did. I I think at that point I was anticipating you not going back in. That it's like, oh, no, stay away from whatever the heck that was. <laughs> going back down. Well, down we didn't remember. No, it's true. No, it's well, it's and we like thought there may be people down there to rescue as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there was nothing ever written in stone. I had the rough idea of the ending in mind about a little more than halfway through. A lot of it started coming together a little bit more than halfway through. But I also wanted to get your impressions. Well, I guess before this, but uh, so did you think of the? episode where you were having to drink a uh drink some scotch because uh gg forced you to oh it was it was uh um the episode that ended with allison getting pulled into the crowd of rabbit people uh right as uh-huh. i had rolled a 13 because that was episode 13 and like all right uh, i was like i was all set to fight a hundred percent all of these rabbit people and i really just like wanted to punch something and like i'm shipping up to boston by the dropkick murphys had started playing in my head and like you're like we'll find out what happens next week and i'm like ah! <laughs> oh yeah. yeah that was the one where uh jesse and sharon um threatened to come over to my house and uh, literally <gasps> oh, kick yeah. me <laughs> I know. I, and I was like, I thought we were losing Allison that episode too. Right. I thought we were going to lose Skeen and Allison in the same episode. And I think that's why part of why I was so well, stressed out. But also, I was. Skeen kind of happened the episode before. Well, that's Wait. true. That's true. But that's when we knew. No, we because lost. your stuff happened right at the end of that episode. Right. Exactly. That's You were at the manor and we were in the. Yeah. In the, the coming. I mean, things were really starting to happen then. So the deaths of. Yeah. NPCs was, you know, was fully on the table. Right. All of the uh, But then you managed to somehow kill Jason. <laughs> and, and which brings me actually to, uh, to this part about um, the, the, the crossovers. Okay. Oh, yeah. The, not, not when you guys were killed at the cabin and went back and did some contemporary now stuff and then came back. Right. But rather the ones where you were possessed by your contemporary now selves um how did how were you feeling during those times i know i kind of surprised you with them Mm -hmm. as you were scrambling for character sheets even though i've told you to keep your character sheets close well they're handy but like like i said before we started recording like i don't have very much room on my desk so i have to like (laughs) put them somewhere else that's not my desk and it's often the floor uh so well that and i have to remember which window to open oh crap which file did i have that in also i still have opera grace's uh character sheets so i have all these papers i had to shuffle through (laughs) okay so well with with the jason lj switches i mean lj from the roles that I ended up with, didn't bleed too much into Jason. Kind of like how Grace bled more into mm-hmm. what Gigi was going through. Um, that didn't happen as much with Jason. So it was it was a little bit more interesting to have... I mean, there was more Jason in LJ than there was LJ in Jason. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I recall that kind of being the case, where it was more Jason getting some information from the... Uh, from the knowledge that LJ had of the supernatural rather than LJ taking control and doing things like what Gigi did. Right. Gigi was a, that was a very dangerous time for the podcast (laughs) uh, because it could, uh, because of my own rules that I have set in my head about what will take you out of the book worlds, you were getting very close and, um, and Carl would not stop talking. You almost set the book on fire. Yeah. (laughs) 
Carl would not stop talking about uh, finding, finding the lost, lost and such. Yeah. Which was definitely going to do it. Um, well, it was, uh, it was interesting because I, I kind of had in my head before we started this season that, like, at some point, uh, with the clues that were given to us, Gigi might put two and two together. And I kind of expected, like, early episodes, I kind of almost expected a late season breakdown where Gigi was like, I don't think I'm real. <laughs> and, ha- you know, because she she does have kind of a self-destructive streak, right? And so that would lend itself naturally to that kind of thing. So it was, it was kind of weird to be in that situation and be like, <sighs> but that wasn't, you know, Gigi, that was Doc uh, thinking <laughs> all this stuff and like, okay, here I am. What am I need? What do I need to do? What do I have? This, this, that, yeah. toaster, connect, boom. Particularly um, well-suited for, okay, this is a new situation, but recover very quickly from that and then just go into crisis mode. Yeah, so yeah, it didn't end up happening the way I thought it might happen early in the season. And I guess for the Contemporary Now stuff, I, uh, you know, I gave... Richard, a couple of thoughts on Nathan, the way that, you know... Yeah, I was I'd, wondering I'd about that, him, too. The way that I'd run him back in Castle of Cain, but of course, all of your book versions of yourselves are just aspects of you, not right. not the whole soul of you. So I told him he could run Nathan however he wanted, and, well, we got what we got. <laughs> <laughs> Which was fun. What was your concept of, uh, your concept of Nathan coming into the Contemporary Now episodes that we did? The one contemporary now episode you did um well you know i really ran with two aspects because i I, you know carl was very different in the fact that and i think the rest of the cast kind of had a clue you know what that crossover was Um, well and he was old (laughs) he's very old (laughs) very very old (laughs) you you referenced earlier about the the find the lost because i was always trying to make sure that i was cognizant of what carl knew yeah and didn't know um, you know, because that, that meta-knowledge wasn't there. Uh, so there was no reason why he'd make that connection. But, you know, one of the, right. the, the brief time that I did cross over, I tried to go with that very straightforward and simple thought process, you know, where there's, there's a wisdom there, but it is, it, it, it's hidden in simplicity at times. Uh, and, then, and then I added the Southern part onto it, because you're like, the guy's very Southern. Okay, well... <laughs> <laughs> I'll make him very stunning. Red Winters. Um, but you know, there's a directness. There's a a uh, uh, it's a lack of subtlety, but not necessarily in a bad way. Yeah. Uh, when you went out into the uh, room full of scientists and were like, "Ooh, I will take these robotic legs," and just like <laughs> all of them were staring at you, and you're like, "Bye," and like, <laughs> left, like <laughs> "Oh my god, that was so fun!" That was so funny. Yep, gotta do, gotta go now. <laughs> like lack of subtlety is the right word. <laughs> well, and we don't have um, we don't have Kirsten here for the uh, retrospective. Um, probably should have tried to have gotten her on maybe for this, but uh, I know that you know she's she's had a hard time with Haven because Haven is my exposition character too. Oh, yeah. So I I demand two things from from Haven, and it and they're very contradictory. One is. She needs to get across the exposition that I need to get across to everyone. Right. But then she also has to improv and play and behave in the parts <laughs> where there's no exposition happening. Right. And we love you, Kirsten. Yeah. <laughs> and we love having you play Haven. I almost thought Kirsten was going to come in as grandma. We sh- oh, <laughs> that would have been so cool. Uh, <laughs> I thought Haven was going to come in as grandma. Oh, my God. That would have been so cool. I mean, like, like given- she finally found a way to enter the book to give us the message we finally needed. It was his grandma. And that was what it was. Except, you know, that didn't end up happening because, right. you know, the end of the book. Um, and, well, in the end, actually, did you save any of the lost? <laughs> that actually was my other question that I wasn't sure if I should ask here or at the start of our next Contemporary Now episode. I think it's more of a start of did the next. Did we actually succeed in our mission yeah so the best you understand it the person that you were there to save was candace kane yeah mm-hmm. yeah oopsie well it, well i tried I, mean, I tried carving through that william then, motherfucker yeah, but. It, it also just didn't didn't come up you know there was a cu- no no well jason carved through the whole thing did something mm-hmm. happen there maybe 
maybe not. All I heard was screams and yeah. It, yeah, I didn't feel like real flesh. Right. I didn't know what to hold on to at that point, so I was like, "Okay, run for the." That lighthouse. was one of those uh, kind of choice moments where yeah, I was just going to let it happen. I I didn't want to give any hints or anything. You could have grabbed people on your way through. I was uh, wondering that. Th- yeah, right. that was something that I was thinking about too. Was could we, if you were, for example, uh, standing still, could we pull it, pull somebody out? But um, yeah, no, there were all kinds of things that I was thinking of to get Candace in a way that wouldn't make it seem too metagamey. Um, mm-hmm. That's but, where I didn't want to go. Right, exactly. Cause, well, like, yeah, and I was afraid that actually the fear of metagaming was actually going to constrain you, uh, and I think it may have yeah. uh, a couple of times. Um, well, and I, I, and I took a note from you on that, that I was like, okay, just be in the moment and do what Jason would do. Right. And at that point, I had built the character to this point that he just reacted. Yeah. He was filled with so much slashed. rage at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, he slashed right through William and just tried to get to you guys. One of the things that I had really wanted to do for like several episodes in a row now was um, accept the book's offer and uh, get it to aid me in taking down William. And um, as part of that, have him drop all of the people that he had absorbed. Um, so that was very much on the table for me, like all the way up until. Grandma Rebecca was telling us, like, we cannot have more hatred and more evil coming into the world or else, like, extremely bad things will happen. And uh, I think that may have been part of Gigi's, like, crisis that she had there, <laughs> because that that was always, like, my last-ditch nuclear option. That actually brings up one of my big points I wanted to ask about. The whole arc. We started with several characters coming across the on the ferry to Elk Island for the reading of a will, and we wound up raising a dead god. <laughs> that is a pretty <laughs> big... Pretty different. <laughs> pretty big uh, span there. <laughs> but you know what? None of the stuff we would have inherited would have survived anyway, so... Well, you know, and that accounts for, you know, the... the grandiose character arcs that some of us did take. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot that happened, and I don't think we got to really portray parts of the book where um, the characters were getting to know each other and, right. and other dark dealings that were going on on the island while we were doing that um, and things like that. You know, it's like it's like you skipped chapters. Like, you read chapter totally. one and you tr- read <laughs> yeah. chapter five and you read chapter 13. <laughs> And 13 was horrible. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that a lot of that happened. But overall, throughout, like, if you think of the story as, like, the book that they were living in, it's kind of interesting to see yeah. how you're just kind of, like, flipping through the pages and then come to that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, we <laughs> we played the Spark Notes version of the book. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, I, right, so, I I didn't see that scale. Uh, you know, initially that kind of feel I thought we were going for in the things that were happening. You know, right. I was expecting the boogeyman to you know to be supernatural boogeyman of some sort. It's right. like, oh no, no, there's a dead god. Oh, whoa. Okay, oh, whoa, yeah. whoa. <laughs> oh, completely. Whoa. The moment where uh, uh, where did the god come from? Carl turns <laughs> the napkin around and says, "I don't think it's a mountain. I think it's a corpse." Was like, wait a minute. What are you talking about? A corpse? <laughs> I had so many other questions at that point, and then for that to come out, I was like, "God damn it!" Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at that point, Jesse knows that I'm going. That my next words are going to be, and we'll find out next time. Yeah, on the, on the <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah. There were so many times where Jesse ended it being, "I have so many questions." Right. <laughs> yeah, and I think I, I mean, I tried to give opportunities. With both Lazaro and with Rebecca. But, you know, I just go throwing knives and everything, and I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, the the moment that I really thought we were going to sit down and have a really crunchy discussion of what was going on was being on the houseboat. Because we had already had such a good discussion in the Bad Fish, and we... We knew that we still had more questions. Bad Fish forever! <laughs> Bad Fish forever! Yeah. In character and out of character at the bad fish and then we get to this houseboat and i'm like 
all right, guys, I really want to talk about this weird, I got stabbed here and it's healed, you know, and like, you know, stuff like that, that it happened. And, um, you know, then things started happening again. So, <laughs> yeah, but, the problem there was pacing wise. Yeah, we would have had two I didn't want to do straight. two very long exposition episodes. Yeah. And the Bad Fish episode was just you guys talking uh, with um, Owl. Yeah. And, well, and you so, know, still, that was a pretty good episode, considering we had a whole episode that we talked about architecture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's the Gothic podcast. The we can talk about architecture. We can talk about architecture. It's <laughs> Damn important. Damn straight we can. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, a, that was a thing. I mean, I, I thought it was very prettily done. Um, and that... That was only partially me, you know, guiding things along because there's only so much I can do without telling you outright what I want you to do, which would ruin the whole thing. And then we do something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And and I really like how it escalated all the way along. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you want to know when I knew it would be a dead god. Yes. uh, That was from the very beginning. Yes. It was always a dead god. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. So from the beginning, you knew from the you, beginning. you were like from the okay. beginning. Um, I already I'd already come up with the terms "God shed," mm. um, those memories that were you know falling off of the of the God. All that stuff was already in place. That was the core of everything. Uh, without knowing that, then nothing else would have made sense in my head. There's too many monsters on the island for right. it to you know. They'd all have been right random unconnected well, things. And in a weird way, I assume that all of the monsters were William after a little bit. Yeah, I know you yeah. kept saying something along those lines, which was partly true. Well, but at the same so, time not because right. William at that point was some weird amalgamation of the darkness of the book. Exactly. That mm-hmm. was so the first time like we were in the woods, we had been not dead from the bunny people and like the tentacles are coming <laughs> out and tearing everybody. Like I did not make that connection that it was William for like a little bit, um, but uh, but once I did, it was like, oh, William, of obviously, <laughs> is behind all of this. All right. Well, any last things that you just burn with that we can't bear to leave this retrospective without talking about? Uh, I know there will be. You know, come three o'clock in the morning, you'll wake up and go, oh man. Right. Exactly. Were there any story elements you wanted to add in uh, that never got an opportunity to come out? Yes, I thought Jeezy was going to be a lot more mean than she was. Um, okay. Just in a character way. I know she's pretty sarcastic, but... <laughs> I thought okay. there would be a lot more talking with the locals and asking questions of people yeah, in Spirit Yeah, that bag. was kind of difficult when we spent like six episodes being attacked by rabbit-headed mm. people in the cabin. <laughs> well, yeah, at that point. I know, then we got suspicious of everybody. Then all, you're paranoid of all of them, yeah. like you, right. as you should be. <laughs> Half the town <laughs> was rabbit-headed people. Yeah. Carl? Uh, did Carl have any... You know, I, I really toyed around with the idea there um, at the end, and then things just went a different path. Where I was going to just go ahead and, uh, after all that, have Carl go ahead and make the sacrifice play, which I guess ultimately he did in the end. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there were several points there, even on the bridge, uh, or when we were uh, back in the house escaping from William, where I was going to see if uh, maybe to have Carl just do, like, the last stand so you guys could get away. Right. Uh, I also thought about, before we kind of realized how things would work, if uh could do the lead William to the light and try to get the lighthouse to erase him, thinking that it would also erase Carl. I thought of that too. I thought about blasting William in the chest with the light. Well, that's what I was going to do, get him into position and have Carl literally just tackle him into right. the path, uh, knowing that it's probably going to take him out. And then uh, it turned out that wouldn't have been the case anyway. Right. But, uh, I, I, I had several times where I'm like, do I do this thing? Um, yeah. And then like something would happen to, that would make that not really plausible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My biggest uh my biggest thing for me wasn't something that I didn't get in there, but it was making making Lazaro, especially making Lazaro Lazaro. That he was not completely evil, that he did sometimes try to do the good things, but also that most everything that he told you was either a misunderstanding on his part or an outright lie as post-life Lazaro wanted to achieve certain things, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For for Jason, it was... Honestly, I had, like, all this stuff lined up from the carny life, 
and I was able to bring Kara Loon, um, the the fortune teller, in a little bit into one of the stories. But early on, I had created the idea of that character that had given him visions of what was going to happen on the island. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Except for Gigi had already had like dream type visions about things that were going on early on. Mm-hmm. So I flipped that and and just kind of like put a pin in it and set it aside for a little bit. I'll admit that except for editing them, I have not re-listened to the final versions of the season yet. I'm trying to remember uh, GG dream it, sequences. Did I have, was it in my, my first ever journal entry was like, I had a nightmare last night and like my feet were really cold. That's, yeah. And that's kind of what I went off of. And then like, you went off of all these dream sequences to begin with, so I kind of like set that aside for a while. Okay, that's fair. So I didn't really like explore the visions <laughs> yeah. that uh, I, I that I had with this fortune teller. I I more meant that to be uh, Gigi's connection to uh, Doctor Grace um, than anything else. Oh, um, that okay. this was somehow Doctor Grace was bleeding through Gigi's consciousness in her uh, subconscious, um, but uh, it didn't really go anywhere. And uh, I like that you all had like the um, the usual D and D character twenty nine pages of backstory that doesn't really <laughs> matter because all you need to put, do is draw your sword and <laughs> right. No, for me it was I actually had a a, a spreadsheet of the uh, family tree, and um, I didn't know if it was going to come in, but there are a lot of Marins, and uh, I <laughs> named all of them <laughs> in. <laughs> Um, yeah, anyway. All right. Oh, wait, last question. Uh, how did you guys, in in a season like this, we had to picture some kind of, like, either heroic or unheroic death for ourselves. How did you guys picture your characters, uh, dying if that was going to happen? If you guys were going to give your characters, like, a glorious <laughs> death, how was that going to happen? Carl had so many. Yeah, <laughs> Carl had so many. <laughs> right. Carl's like, which one? <laughs> which the first one? one the second as, one? The third as one? As he sits on the edge of the ferry. Yeah. Which, at first the end, he was like, will, will it be here on the ferry? <laughs> I mean, I could trip. Over. I'm very old. I'm very old. <laughs> By the last which, episode, which, he's just welcoming the, you know, the death. He's like, it's about finally. time. <laughs> uh, okay, I will admit, too, I, I wasn't sure how the end was going to play out. Uh, and I didn't necessarily know this end was going to happen. And so back when I I said that I thought that maybe Carl was the hero of the story, was the main protagonist, I saw Carl being the only survivor at the end as oh. he gets off of the ferry back onto land and may, maybe gives us one last journal entry. I'm very uh, old. God. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Here I am again. Here I and am again. Because we all expected him, both meta and in game, to, to die to immediately. The, <laughs> to die. That, that he's the one who makes it to the end. And when I saw that, it wasn't young Carl. It was old, you know, old, old Carl, Carl stepping that off been of funny. the ferry. What does my brother want this time? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about uh, What about Jason? Um. Yeah, if you had to picture like a perfect like, what were you picturing? Is like, I hope Jason dies this way because it'll be so cool. Jason uh, was always sacrificial, and that he ended up being pretty much the death of all of the other NPCs in one way or another. <laughs> really fucked with his head. <laughs> Skeen, Frank, Sue, Allison, all of them. From the sheriff, he was involved. How do you blame yourself for the sheriff? He was involved in one way or another. He was driving the car when he, when the sheriff landed on it. Yes. There we go. He was somehow responsible for every death on the island, and he thought he was the god for just an inkling of a moment. But like, no, no. It's like at the end, you're like, am, am I the good guy or the bad guy at this point? I don't know which one I am. Exactly. I don't understand. So that's where it's like, well, if this madness needs to end and I need to, you know, sacrifice my blood to do it, then then that is the way it's going to be. Gigi? Uh, I talked about it earlier, but I, like, pretty much fully expected Gigi to take the full power of the book into herself at some point and uh, use it to take down William. And, um, that's how I, that's how I kind of pictured it. And, um, 
some of the like moral crisis Gigi was having in the final episode was this realization that if that happens, like the balance will be tipped even further into an unacceptable level of you know hatred and and stuff. Um, so. Cause, cause that I think was the only way at this point that she had pictured herself. Like, I need to do something that's really big and grandiose to save everybody. That's what I had expected for a very long time was going to happen. Was that I was going to take the power of the book, I was going to use it, and and, and uh, do something really dramatic, and you know, uh, take William everyone, down. But everyone's so self-sacrificing. Out of my head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Richard, did you have a favorite for Carl or? Uh... <laughs> Um, you know, like I said, I I wanted him to go out uh, with the sacrifice play, which ultimately uh, he kind of did. Although I was hoping there would be a good dramatic moment. Man, all of you edge lords. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, it's hard when you're family and you bond. At least I got to um, you know, die with both my middle fingers up. That was that was nice. <laughs> with <laughs> fuck you, William. Uh, I see the scene as Gigi. Drops back into the darkness, just sort of does a, a backfall yeah. into the darkness. Like a trust just fall. Flipping off, <laughs> yeah. Just flipping off uh, William. <laughs> I love it. Instead of like uh, Trinity falling off the building yeah, shooting. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You're just, you're like, just like. At least I will take you with me. <laughs> All right. Well. Thank you very much for season two. This was oh my such God, a satisfying you, series yes. season, Patrick. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Jesse. Thank, thank you, you very Richard. much, Richard, yes. for, for being a a huge um, <laughs> aid to the season. Yes. I hope yeah. we see you back in season three. Good night, Sojourners. Good night, thank everybody. you for joining us in the dark. In the night. This <laughs> has dark. been season two. Of the Gothic, the Gothic Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> 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 and we're out of here. <laughs>